0: The following is a sermon podcast from Whiteridge Baptist Church.
1: Good morning, church. My name is David Stark. And I'm Dave's wife, Jody. <laughs> and I'm going to be reading from 2nd Samuel chapter 7, 18 to 29. Then David the king went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was insignificant in your eyes, O Lord God, for you have spoken also of the house of your servant concerning the distant future. And this is the custom of man, O Lord God. Again, what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God. For the sake of your word and according to your own heart, you have done all this greatness to let your servant know. For this reason, you are great, O Lord God. For there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation on the earth is like your people Israel, whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, and to make a name for himself, and to do a great thing for you, and awesome things for your land before your people, whom you have redeemed for yourself from Egypt, from nations and their gods. For you have established for yourself your people israel as your own people forever and you o lord have become their god now therefore o lord god the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and his house confirm it forever and do as you have spoken that your name may be magnified forever by saying the lord of hosts is god over israel and may the house of your servant david be established before you for you o lord of hosts the god of israel have made a revelation to your servant saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. Now, O Lord God, you are God and your words are truth and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken. And with your blessing, may the house of your servant be blessed forever. And a response from the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God and Jesus Christ for you. Amen. Amen.
2: is that God clearly communicates to us through His Word. And I hope that each of us takes time every day just to be with God and to ask Him, Lord, reveal Yourself to me in Your Word, the truths that I need to know t- uh, today about You so that I can live my life well with You. Uh, but we can recognize God throughout the day in many different ways. This is going to be a scene of like a little bit of a stretch. But kind of I just ask, how many of you have vanity plates on your car? Do any of you have vanity plates? Hands up. No? Okay, i got to tell you, in the last month, I've been blessed by vanity plates. And so, uh, yesterday, Friday, no, Friday, I saw one. It said Luke one thirty seven, which I think is Luke one thirty seven, which is, nothing is impossible with God. About five weeks ago, I was driving, and I was just thinking about, honestly, I was thinking about, Lord, how can I keep you center? And I stopped, and the car in front of me had this, God first. And then last week, as I'm thinking about a variety of things, all of a sudden I see this one, grateful. (laughs) Isn't it wonderful? Just little reminders. We can say, Lord, thank you. Uh, Whatever the intent of the person putting it on their car, those things help me think of you. And you know what? For me, having God first and being grateful really go together. If God is first in our thought life, we can't help but start exuding gratefulness Uh, in our life, and if something makes us grateful, and we don't just say, oh, how lucky I am, (laughs) but we're actually grateful to someone, then it makes me grateful to God. And so gratefulness is is a hugely important aspect of our daily life if it allows us to connect with God. And uh, Jesus, of course, is always the best example if you want to see a healthy life and healthy attitudes. And in Jesus, we see the transformative power of gratitude. Um, Gratitude, I believe, is one of the key evidences of having new life in Jesus Christ, or understanding who God is, because when we see Christ and when we have life in him, gratitude is one of the, I think, the first things that starts coming out of a life like that. And so we see it throughout the Bible. Last week, Janet was talking about Hannah, and Hannah was a grateful uh, person. She had lots of struggle, but through that, she came to gratitude. We see it in Mary, the mother of Jesus. We see it in the healed leopard. If you remember that story, there were 10 people who came to Christ. They were all healed, and then 9 they all left, and nine kept going, and one turned around and said, Oh, I have to go and give thanks sometimes we're happy <laughs> and we're but we don't give thanks we don't give we don't express gratitude to the one who's blessed us and so uh we need to be mindful of that and today i'm sorry i'm having trouble with my mic today we're going to be focusing on the life of king david and specifically as seen in second samuel chapter 7 and if you have your bibles you can open to second samuel chapter 7 And what we see and what we heard from from David is what I think is a prayer of gratitude. So at the beginning of this chapter, the verses that you didn't hear, verses uh, 1 to 5, it just says this. It says, Now the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies. And the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. So he's thinking, you know what, I I think God deserves better than just being in a tent. Look how I live. Doesn't he deserve more than that? I want to build God a temple. And Nathan says to him, go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Uh, I just want to highlight that right off the bat, if we had been going through a series on 2 Samuel, uh, we would realize that David has already kind of gone through a humbling experience. He's, He's learned a little bit about not assuming what God wants. In 2 Samuel 6, the ark isn't even in the holy city. It's not in Jerusalem. And so he wants to bring it into Jerusalem, and he gets all excited about it. He gets the priests. He gets a cart. He gets some oxen, and he has it brought back into Jerusalem. And there's this big parade going on, and everybody's celebrating. They're doing exactly what they feel God would want, And all of a sudden, the cart shakes a little bit, and one of the priests, his name was Uzzah, he went and he he stopped it because he didn't want the ark to fall down. And as soon as he did that, and as soon as he touched it, boom, he died. And David got angry. He said, "How, how could God do this? And he realized that God did it because they did not respect God at all as far as how God said, this is how this ark is supposed to be transported. This is how I'm supposed to be respected. They thought they were doing that. They thought they were celebrating God, but they hadn't even approached him. They hadn't looked at his word and said, oh, this is what you want done. They just made an assumption. David made an assumption that I know what to do and I'll do it this way. It's glorifying God, I think. It must be good. It's making me happy to do it for God. It must be good. And it says that David was angry with God. And then I think also he realized he became afraid. That's the next thing. And then he became afraid of God because I think he realized he took God too lightly at times. And whenever we make the assumption of what God wants and we don't Talk with him, we don't sit quietly before him, we're very much in danger of that ourselves. And so in 2 Samuel 7, what we see is that David had already learned about that. And one of the things about having gratitude and a prayer of gratitude is that it's expressed in in a humble and a responsive attitude towards God. And so we see the humility here because he didn't just make a decision and say, I'm going to go build a temple. He actually went and he spoke with a prophet. He went and said, this is what I plan to do. And so that shows respect. It shows that he was now thinking, okay, I have to be careful that I don't step ahead of where God is calling me to do things. And Nathan said, well, go and, and do what is in, the, in your heart to do. That's fine. I just want to ask you a question before we move forward is, what's in your heart for the Lord? Has the Lord put something on your heart that you want, you believe he calls you to do for him, that you actually get very motivated for, you get excited about? And, I'm sorry about that. And you have every plan to to make this happen. You want to go and you want to do something beautiful for God. I just want to encourage you that if you have that, be sure that you bring it to God, and you also ask for godly counsel in it. So, Nathan says, well, go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. And then verse 4 says, but that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan and said, go tell my servant David, thus says the Lord God, would you build a house for me to dwell in? In other words, do you think I need a house? Did I ask you to build a house? And the answer was no. And do you ever get in your prayer life a no? Um... Last week already, we talked about Hannah, it was no, but wait. Sometimes you just get a no, and it's actually for something good that you plan to be doing. You want to do this, and for whatever reason, God just says no. And you might even just stop listening at that point. You might not listen for what God says next. Uh, but, and, and the problem could be is that you start to grumble and complain, rather than to have gratitude that God answers, answers you when you bring something to him. And David could have definitely been caught up in grumbling, uh, but he didn't. Uh, he, he gave it to God, he surrendered to God. I wanna be clear about one thing before I move on. Grumbling and gratitude. uh, They can't go together. Kevin kind of alluded to that if if you've got a grumbling heart You can't be grateful at the same time. They don't go together but Grumbling is different than grief and it's different than groaning Those are things that we can do we can express those aren't sinful, but grumbling is sinful Uh, that, That we can't do so we have to be sure that we understand that those things are different And if we're in an environment where we hear grumbling, and I'm sure that happens quite often for us, right? We're in a place and we can tell this conversation isn't maybe going the direction it should. There's not a lot of gratefulness in this conversation. It seems more like grumbling. What I'd recommend is, in that conversation, be graceful, and also just try to guide that conversation in a different direction. Similar to the video that we watched with Sheila and Julia, you know, with those jars saying, Oh, I didn't like this, but isn't there something good in that that we could find and so always be directing people towards gratitude towards God so one of the ways that we know that David was not proud and that he was humble is just by the way he responds he goes into the house of God and he says this who am I Who am I, Sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me thus far? And uh, you didn't hear these words before, but earlier in the chapter, when the Lord is talking to Nathan, this is what he says partially about David. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And i have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you and i will make your name great like the name of the great ones on earth and what jesus is doing what god is doing is he's just reminding david i'm the one in control i'm the one driving the car i'm the one who makes things happen I'm the one who gives to you. I'm the one who made you successful in your, in your battles, who cut off your enemies. I am the one who will establish your house. I am always in control. And we need to remember that in our walk with God as well, is that we're not the ones who call the shots. We're not the ones who initiate with God. Even in your thought life, you might sometimes think that you're initiating something by having your quiet time or by taking a time in prayer, but God is always the one who gets credit for even bringing our thought life to him that we would want to do such a thing. God always gives. We always receive and respond. And we're also God's representatives. So the way God treats us is the way that we're meant to treat others. So that's a humbling thing for for David, just to be reminded that God is in control, and everybody called David king, except God. God says that you should be my prince over my people. David, remember that I'm the king. (laughs) The people might call you king, but you're my prince. Please remember that. David wrote a beautiful psalm, Uh, most of us will be familiar with it. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desire. In order for us to remember who God is and in order to be responsive to Him, we need to actually show our gratitude in God by making an effort to consistently delight ourselves in Him. Of course that means the things that He blesses us with, the things in life that we're thankful for, experiences, people but most of all, it's with him. And he says that when we delight ourselves in him, what will he do? He will give you the desires of your heart. And again, in in brief, what that means is if you desire God, he will give you more of himself. It's not the prayer about, well, Lord, I'd like to have this thing, I'd like to have this possession, I'd like to have this experience, so I'll delight in you and I hope you'll give me this. No, it's saying, Lord, I delight in you and then I can be sure that you will give me you because I'm taking my delight in you. Whatever you give me, it will point my thought life back to you, it will, give me, it will make me grateful towards you. And so Lord, you will give me a grateful heart. You will give me a heart that delights actually in you. And we want that more and more. Two questions for us is how do you delight yourself in God? If you struggle with gratitude, this is an important question. How do you delight yourself in God? And this is something that we should be thinking about quite regularly throughout our days. And what are your heart's desires? Do you know what they are? And are you faithfully bringing them to God? Are you asking other people if you move forward on something? Are you asking them for wisdom so that you're moving in the right direction? That you know that what you're doing is actually pleasing to God and you're not making an assumption. Of what God would want for you, or or what God's will is. So one of the first expressions of gratitude towards God is that we are humble and we're responsive to him in our prayers. A second thing is that we're also passionate and committed in our prayer life. And passion and committed need to go together, sort of the same thing as when we hear about truth and love. When they're separate, they're dangerous, (laughs) but they need to be together. And some people are very passionate about God, but they're not very committed. Other people are very committed, but they have no passion. And these two things need to go together. That's the way God's designed it, is that gratitude is something that helps our passion and our commitment sink together. Um, the verse that we were reading, the first thing that David read, it just said, "And then David um, went and he sat before the Lord. Then David went and sat before the Lord. I think that's a beautiful image. It's not shared very often in scripture. This would have been him most likely going and sitting in close proximity to the uh, tabernacle, to the ark, that's what I'd assume. But he sat before the Lord. And uh, there's a psalm, this was written by Levites, this wasn't written by David, but most of us will know it. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And the context of this psalm is very important. The context of the psalm of people who are scared, they are saying like, there's battles around us, there's earthquakes around us, we're not in a good place. And God is saying, be still and know that I am God. Again, in other words, he's saying, stop putting futile worry into things that I'm in control of. You can trust me, be still, rest in me, get to know me. And so, um, I think David is a very good example of how he did that throughout his life. Be still and know that I am God. He went, so he heard something that could have made him grumble and complain, but he took time to probably slow down and, and get rid of his disappointment and say, but God said so much else. I need to contemplate that. I need to think about that. I need to celebrate the good things that God has said to me. And then he says this, How great are you, Sovereign Lord! There is none like you, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. Um, Names are hugely important. And in in this passage, we see the phrase, Sovereign Lord. In the ESV, it says, O Lord God. And this is actually two different words, Adonai, which means maker, owner, sustainer and Yahweh, which is the personal pronoun of God. It's the one that means all-sufficient one. It's the name that is the covenant-keeping name of God. And names are, are hugely important. In our society, we often pick names because we like the way they sound. Right so you have a child you find a nice name and you give that to your child It's not usually based on meaning sometimes there's a connection between a loved one and the name that's given to the child But God hasn't been given names by man God has shared his names with us So that we could know him and we could also know his plan of redemption for us And so Yahweh, this this sovereign Lord, the O Lord God, is a very valuable way for God to tell us who he is. And Yahweh means I am the self-existent one. He's the one who made the covenant with Abraham, with Moses, with David. And he wants us to know him. It's so valuable to know that our God self-discloses. We would not know him at all If it wasn't for him saying here i am i want you to know me we would have general revelation the things that we see in the world and know that someone's got to have made this but we wouldn't have known who did it and how we could have a relationship with him so it's mentioned actually uh eight times in the bible in this in just samuel eight times he says sovereign lord and this is a unique title for samuel I want to just share with you a few the words or other names that we hear of God in the Bible he's the one who heals he's our peace he's our banner he's our Shepherd he's our righteousness he's the one who sanctifies he's the one who sees me and he's my companion those are all names of God that's the meanings of his names and all those things help us to know him and that he desires to have a deep and committed relationship with him but god also had a name for david and he called david my servant usually that title was just given to my servant israel or my people it's not usually given to an individual but in this portion of scripture i'm sorry i'm having trouble with this today in this portion of scripture the lord says my servant david and in david's response as he's just Thanking God to have the privilege of being called that he refers to himself as your servant Ten times in this short little prayer. He just says I'm your servant. I'm your servant I'm your servant and it's so valuable for him to know who he belongs to and that again that God's the one who calls his shots and In gratitude. I obey you. I follow you Lord. I am your servant uh, another person you'd probably remember, First Samuel 3, there's Samuel, the guy that the book's named after. And during the night, he's, getting these, he's hearing his name called, but he doesn't know who it is. And he's told, well, the next time you hear that, what you need to say is, speak, Lord, your servant listens. And that's the role of a servant primarily, is to listen, to be attentive, and then to obey. And when we understand that it's a privilege to be connected with the God of everything, we should be passionate and excited to hear his voice, and we should be also committed to listen well, to be attentive and to obey. Well, beyond knowing God through his names, and that's where I think passion comes, we become passionate about people as we get to know them. Is that not true in your life if you have if you have problems with people uh, maybe sometimes you feel you know them too well but usually what happens is that we don't know people well enough and when we know people's stories and we hear about who they are we become passionate we start loving them and so God reveals himself to us through his names and here he also reveals himself through his covenant which is meant to redeem us And this is the most authoritative passage in Scripture to tell us about the covenant that God made with David Uh, first of all uh, we do know about God making a covenant again with Abraham with Moses and now we're finding it with David and uh, I just want to read you uh, the portion that's from 2nd Samuel 7 verse 11 13 to 15 because you didn't have a chance to to hear that already this is the the covenant that God makes with David and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me your throne shall be established forever so god makes some really big promises if you remember it started out david saying lord i want to build you a house god says i didn't ask for that i'm going to build you a house he says i'm going to make a dynasty for you and and through that dynasty david could not have comprehended how beautiful this promise actually was but through this will come salvation for all mankind when abraham was told that all the nations will be blessed through you david at least understood that now that promise was going from from abraham to moses now through him and there had to be this wow who am i that you would use me that lowly shepherd that you called Who am I that you would bless the whole world through me, through my lineage? I'm so blessed to know you, Father. The word uh, used for steadfast love, which is a key word in covenant, is hesed. And it just means steadfast love, mercy, covenant faithfulness. Uh, Those of you who remember Elf Bell, I think this was one of his favorite words. He talked about it all the time, the hesed of God, the covenant of God. But God's promise to David was not just about succession, that your throne will be established forever, that you will always have someone there, that that wasn't the big thing that he was excited about. it was that salvation's going to come through you. Through your family, through your descendants, someone will come and save the world. The beauty of the covenant is that Jesus was the fulfillment of that. Jesus came and he, he, he was the son of David, the son of God, and his throne is established forever. And through Jesus, we are recipients of that covenant. We still live in that covenant. And now the son who is on a throne forever also lives in our hearts through the empowering and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. The Bible says we are the temple of God. So can you see that wonderful progression and how passionate and thankful we should be to God? That David said, I just want to build you a house because you need to belong somewhere. And God says, no, I'm going to build you a house. And that house isn't a building, it's a people. It's a people who belong to God. And we together are the living temple of God. That's the fulfillment of that covenant. And that's why, in gratitude, we should be passionate and we should be committed to God, saying, Lord, we want to live in you for your glory and for the benefit of the world, so that the world might come to know you. And this is where we can have confidence and courageousness in prayer. I think this is another aspect of gratitude, is that when we're thankful, we can be confident and we can be courageous in our prayers to God. 2 Samuel 7, 25 says, And now, Lord, let the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house be established forever. Do as you promise. You want to know that your prayers are going to be answered? You just need to know what the promises of God are and repeat them to him. And that's not disrespectful. We see it over and over again in Scripture. When God says something, he often says, says, this is what I'm going to do. And then we can say, Lord, do it. May it be. You're going to make me more like Jesus. Lord, may it be. Do that work. you promise to complete your work in me? May that be. You're going to bless all the nations. Lord, may that be. We ask God to do what He's already promised to do. And that's a wonderful way to have confidence and to be courageous in our prayers. Second Samuel 7:27 says, "Lord. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found the courage to pray this prayer to you. More or less, David is saying, because you said this, I believe it. You said it, it will be done. And I'm going to pray to that end, that yes, Lord, do what you said you will do. We can have confidence that God Uh, again when he says something it will be done and we should be learning to pray the promises of God and these are not the the Maybe the pet verses that we'd like to have that might be out of context (laughs) We need to read scripture and we need to know what God has promised to do and then pray to that end Uh, an example would be for me Um, I've shared this with you before, uh, praying about Philippians 4, be not anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests of God. And this is the promise, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Okay, that's all good and well if you're feeling peaceful at the moment and you read the verse, but I remember I would pray that almost every time before an exam. I remember my bachelors going into the big gym, they kind of herded you in like cattle, And then, you know, you'd have a start time. And I'd remember when I'd see everybody else start, the first thing I'd do is I'd bow my head. I'd I'd repeat that verse and I'd say, Lord, I'm anxious in this moment. But you promised to give me peace. So I thank you for this opportunity to display the knowledge that I've gained as you've allowed me to study. I hope that this exam will do that well. And I ask for your peace right now and I claim that peace right now. There's other verses that says this is God's will for you, your sanctification. So I know that no matter what I'm going through, that what God wants is for me to become more like Christ. I can pray that, Lord, in this moment, I'm not exactly sure how to respond, but I know that I can become more likely like you. I pray that. And I pray that for my friend who's going through a difficult time right now. Lord, they might grumble or they could have gratitude. Help them, Lord, to choose gratitude. Those are the types of promises that we need to have in our mind, and then we can start praying, and we can have confidence, and we can be courageous even in our prayers. Uh, 1 John 5, 14 to 15, you might want to just take note of this verse. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything in his name that pleases him. And since he knows us, he hears us when we make our requests. We also know that he will give us what we ask for from him. What pleases Him is another phrase. It's the same phrase that's translated the will of God. The will of God is what pleases Him. So if you're asking for something in the will of God, the, the peace that you can have is that you will have His will. So this is a good example. So you're praying about a circumstance, you're uncertain about how things are gonna go, maybe you're in danger of grumbling instead of gratitude and you're bringing it to God and you're saying, Lord, this is what I want done. That's how you're kind of praying. Please guide me, please bless me. But you say, Lord, may your will be done. What I can tell you for certain is that whatever happens next, whether you're happy with it or not, whether it's pleasant or it's hard, what you can be sure of is that God's will has been done. That's what the promise is. It's not that it's gonna turn out the way you want, but it but it will if you're saying, Lord, may your will be done. So, Lord, I might have this plan. I might, like for David, I might want to build you a temple, but may your will be done. And God comes back and says, Well, that, that's not my that's not my will. I'm gonna do something different. We we have the assurance that when we ask God, lead me in these next steps that we can be walking in his will, and he will guide us and correct us. This is hugely important when we think about how Jesus has taught us to pray. And part of the, the prayer is, Lord, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You can have confidence in praying that with gratitude. Lord, this world seems to be falling apart, but I'm going to be praying, may your, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to keep praying that because I know that it does come now through our lives as we surrender to you. There's a taste of the kingdom among us. In my heart, may your kingdom come in me. That's true. That's happening. It happens within our church. It happens where we go. But Lord, most of all, I know that someday Christ is coming again, and this whole world is going to be restored. Things are going to be renewed. Things are going to be made right. So the answer might not be coming today, but it's coming. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. And Lord, in gratitude, I'm going to walk with you today. And I want your kingdom to be seen in me. I want you to be my king. I'm the prince. <laughs> You're the king. I'm going to follow your lead. So as we think of gratitude, I just want to, again, just, it's, it's more than just saying thanks. It's being humble and responsive. It's being passionate and committed. It's being confident and courageous. That's what gratitude does in our heart because we know those things about him and we learn to respond in him that way i just want to uh share with you this is just because this was in my devotions two days ago i was reading about daniel daniel at this stage in his life is about an 80 year old man he's lived in a a society that does not honor god it's poly uh, polytheistic Um, he's been used by God to bless many people, but he's in charge over, he has been in charge of magicians and sorcerers and all that, and he's still been a godly man of influence. People have known that the spirits of God live in him, but they didn't know, they didn't recognize continually that it was God in him. But he was told that there's a king, so he's over 80 years old. He's, he was retired, kind of. He's over 80 years old, and then he's told that Darius is going to make a statue and everybody needs to worship it. Man, for most of us, that would be a time to just start grumbling. I can't believe how bad things have gotten. Don't they see what God's done before? And what Daniel does, and and, and this has happened because people want Daniel to be persecuted. They want him to get into trouble because they know that he will do this when he hears the news. It says this, Daniel 6.10, Daniel went into his house and three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed, and he gave thanks to his God. He heard that you're going to die if you don't worship this statue. And he says, I'm not doing that. I'm going to keep doing it. I have a habitual attitude of gratitude. I have a habit of gratitude. I'm going to go praise God. I'm going to go thank him. And the people knew that. And because of that, he was thrown into the lion's den. So your circumstances might not feel like they get better, but man, in the sight of God, people are, God is looking, there's a trophy, there's my son, there's my prince. He's living a life of praise and gratitude towards me. And uh, so no matter what age we are, we need to be thanking God continually. And this is the last thing you might want to make mention this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Jody read it for us earlier. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So if you want to uh, pray the promises of God and you want to know what pleases God, this is god's will for you what rejoice always pray continually give thanks in all circumstances i want to ask you as you go throughout this week if you notice at times a spirit comes up that's grumbling that you bring it to god and just say lord help me not to grumble help me to be grateful help me to rejoice always not to make light of this not to, if I have grief or groaning, that's fine. But in this, Lord, I need to find a way to give thanks in all circumstances, And it's gonna be somehow tied to my relationship with you. God's will for you is to give thanks to him in any circumstance. It doesn't matter what it is. And so let's pray together and I'll ask the worship team to come up. Father, we have so much to thank you for. And uh, so much of what you do for us and who you are goes unnoticed throughout each day. We live lives that are busy, distracted, and you tell us to slow down, to sit with you, to abide with you, to enjoy fellowship with you, to be passionate and committed about you, to remember your promises, and to be confident and courageous that in every situation we know what you say is true that you can do all things and make good from it, Lord, that you always want us to be growing in our likeness of Christ, that you're the one who does that in us. And Lord, that also that you are patient, you are not coming back again yet because you are patient because you don't want anyone to perish. Lord, thank you that we are among those who are not perishing for our sins, but have life in you. And use us to help save others, Lord, to bring them to a knowledge of you so that they might live gratitude, lives of gratitude towards you as well. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Lord God, we thank you that you are the one who has revealed yourself to us, our creator, our father, our friend because of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, and we declare that you are our God. I thank you that as we go from here, we go into a world not by ourselves. We go into a world where you are enough for us, where you carry us, where you love us, so much so that we can depend on you, so much so that we can live our life for you and not for us, and we don't have to worry about all the little things. We know that you are sovereign over all things. And so, God, we are grateful. We are grateful for salvation. We are grateful for relationship with you. We are grateful for the blessings that you give to us And even in circumstances where things don't go how we want them to go or expect them to go, we are grateful that even then you are in control and even then you will keep us intact. So God, I pray that you bless this church family, the ones that I can see with my eyes right now and the ones that I know are behind the camera. I thank you, Lord, for the church and I thank you that you continue to work in her. And I pray that you would bless each one of us as we go. And pray this in Jesus' name, amen.